Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Morning. You're looking pretty good today. Okay, it's an addiction, all right? No, I'm, it's really not. It's just a Sunday morning fix. Um, glad you're here. We kick off the Super People series today. Um, you know, I, I grew up watching Superman, even had a cape when I was a kid. Um, fortunately, my mother told me I would never be able to fly. Um, I don't know how many of you grew up watching Superman and Kryptonite and all those wonderful, wonderful, uh, wholesome uh, television series like Superman. So anyway, today we, were, uh, we are created to really experience a super life because we have a super God. And there are, there are traits that create super in our lives. Uh, there are things that we can actually do. Some of you said, well, I was born at the wrong time in the wrong family, in the wrong place, all those things. You can make up all the stories you want, but you can excel anywhere you are, no matter where you're from. It's a, a mindset that, that we embrace that either prohibits us from becoming or releases us to become the people that God has called us to become. And uh, we will never understand everything, but the things that we can, we can understand, we can do something about. There was a couple that had just gotten married and they were leaving the church en route to begin their honeymoon and their life together and in route they had a car accident that took both of their lives and they find themselves in heaven and face to face with St. Peter and, and um, they had a couple of questions one of which was you know we just got married and we we planned a life together and, and we wanted children would you be able to find out that's going to be possible for us now that we're in heaven? So St. Peter says, well, I'll check on that. And he walks away, and he's just gone for a super long time, like months and months and months. He's gone. And so he finally comes back, and the couple had all these months to think through their question about having children and a family and all those things. And after all those months, they, they began to question, well, what if we don't like each other? So St. Peter comes back, and, and they go, well, you know, we, you've been gone a long time, and we've been thinking, what if, what if we don't like each other or still don't love each other? Could, could we get a divorce? And St. Peter said, I've been gone six months. It took me six months to find a priest. How long do you think it's going to take me to find an attorney? Uh, so... Priests and attorneys in heaven. Yes, that shall be a delight. Uh, which I would count myself in that category. I'm not picking on uh, some of you if you grew up Catholic. I'm not picking on Catholic priests. It's just ministers. Okay, I could have said minister. Okay, I should have done that. <gasps> Political correctness. <laughs> Something I'm not great at. And so, uh, sorry about that. Well, today we kick off the series, Overcoming Super Sinful Mindsets. Um, 
This will be the first S in the super series because when we, when we be, think about becoming Christians, the first thing that runs through our mind is all the sins that we've committed. You'd have to have a calculator for mine. Um, it, it's just, you know, throughout my life, I, I grew up, everything was a sin. If you, if you played pool, it was a sin. And if you played cards, because there's one queen who has some kind of something on her, and uh, I found out that's why we couldn't play cards. I don't know which queen she is, but uh, spades, cards, I'm not sure. Uh, but, but anything you did was almost a sin, you know? So we lived our whole lives dodging sin and... I thought for sure that if I could be good enough, I could go to heaven and begin to live my life that way, uh, trying, and then finally it didn't take long to realize I was just not going to go to heaven. It it wasn't going to happen, and people who call themselves Christians and went to church, to me, were the most boring, nerdish people in the world. That was my mindset. I'm just saying, just being truthful. So, and they, they look miserable, you know. They really did. And if you ever told a, a, a religious person that you prayed for someone in the hospital right before they died, they'd live like hell. And right before they died, they accepted Christ. It really irritated religious people. They didn't get happy for a minute. They, what? They got to live that way, and now they're going to heaven? <laughs> I'm like... Well, I thought you'd be happy about it, you know. No, because in their mind, they wanted to live like that. <laughs> you know, because we all have this, this we're all, we all have a fallen nature. We all have a fallen nature. And, and let me define my, my theology on sin and sins, okay? There's original sin that we were born with. The cutest baby this morning, there's a baby right now as I'm preaching, Thousands of babies are being born, and they're all filled with sin. Their DNA, they haven't spoken a word, they haven't uttered a word, they haven't done anything wrong, they haven't even cried yet. And they're little sinners. Every one of them. And I know that for those of you who are mommies and becoming new mommies, you just can't imagine that. Give it six months. And so... And so you, you just can't fathom what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, that we're all born, our DNA has sin nature in it, okay? It's called original sin. Adam and Eve in the garden, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, uh, God said you can eat from any tree in the garden except one, and that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, at which time your eyes would be opened to the knowledge of good and evil. God did not want us to have to deal with making those decisions. So he said, don't eat from that tree because the minute you do, you'll become like God. Well, Satan played the become like God card, and there are a couple of ways to look at it. In other words, you will become like God in that God could see good, he could see evil. And he knew the serpent had been cast out of heaven, and that if mankind were to eat from that tree, we would then become responsible for making decisions. And about good and evil. And, and God said, I don't want you to have to deal with that. It wasn't like God saying, look, I want to be all of that in a bag of chips. I just don't want you to have to deal with this. So he told them not to eat from that tree. And as we know, they chose to eat from that tree. Why? It's just the nature of man. And it even got worse after Adam and Eve ate from the tree. And so now in our lives, we deal with two things. Original sin, which we're born with, and then sinful behavior which you say is a result of original sin, which is true. 
question would be, did Jesus die for original sin or did he die for sins? He died for sin, the original sin nature in us, knowing that we would, even as the best Christian, would continue to sin. He knew that. So the reason I want to start this Super People series with this is because I want us to have an awareness that sin is a part of everyone's life. Sinful acts are a part of everyone's lives. Some worse than others, based on where you come from, what you understand. Uh, I believe that, you know, there is one category, and it's, it's a category of sins, uh, which is very difficult to get over because some sins do affect and impact other people uh, more than certain sins. I get that. But the reality is, in relationship to God and, and how we approach God, uh, is often the result of how we perceive sin and sins. How we approach God is often how we perceive God's response to our behavior. Now, every one of us this morning, uh, it's 1132-ish, and uh, all of us in here have successfully sinned today. And I know some of you are going, what have I done? <laughs> you woke up. And in your mind was somebody or something or something going on. And if you didn't sin before you got out of the house, I promise you sinned when you got out. I, I don't want to be discouraging. I just want us to, I mean, there are just certain things that you have to look at and go, okay, I've got to, I've got to be aware of the reality of my life and the reality of fallen mankind. I've got to be aware of this. And then... You gotta kind of be okay. I'm not. This is not a license here to go be stupid. Don't need to give you one. You got that at birth. It's in your genetic code, and as is mine. So in Genesis three verse six, it says, "When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her." And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. All clothing stores say amen. <laughs> so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So our sin nature is most given to this mindset that I've got to cover. And we do that because now that we know right and wrong, when we do wrong, there's this default mechanism in us that immediately begins to try to fix it. Not a bad thing to try to fix something or correct it, but there's nothing you and I can do to correct that which is in our heart, which is what Christ died for. Now, we can fix the behavioral responses, but the only way I can even possibly um, live the abundant life, the super life that Christ died for me to live is every time I'm aware of my sin is to take it to him. Because sin doesn't separate us from God. Because the Bible says nothing shall separate us from the love of God. But what sin does is separates us from purpose, destiny, and confidence. 
Because in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews tells us very clearly that we're to approach the throne of God boldly. Why would you think that the writer of Hebrews would say that? Because he knows that sin and our awareness of sin will often alter our approach to God and, and our, our confidence in going to God. Now, every one of us in this room lied as a child. Some of you are really good, and you don't think you did, but you did. If nothing else, your mom told you not to get candy, and you did, and you told her you didn't. And the only reason you did, because you, you, you wanted to be such a perfect child, and you just tried really hard. And, and you know what? Your mom never found out that you stole the cookie. She didn't count them. She told you not to get a cookie before supper. You did. You weren't hungry. You ate the cookie, and your mom didn't know. You know what happened with that? Your mom didn't know. Your mom's perspective of you didn't change. Love for you didn't change. But you know what? Your approach to mom did because you went to mom with guilt. Mom didn't even know. Mom had no clue you ate the cookie. But you think mom did because you know you did and you lied to mama. what sin does with us and God God sees us through the eyes or through the blood of Jesus when we've accepted him as forgiven so we go to we, we, we are very careful about going to God because every day we mess up we sin we make mistakes we say we're not going to do something and we do we do something we say we're not going to we do that and then what happens is I've had people say well, I don't go to church anymore I just I can't do it you're right i wanted to name this church the we can't do it church <laughs> come and be a part of we can't do it at 9 and 11 on sundays but we can go to god and find forgiveness and acceptance and love and grace and mercy we can go to god But sin veils that relationship because we choose to allow that. Sometimes in your darkest hour, you will find God most present. If you will see God in a different light, because God's not condemning, we condemn. Now, Really, being aware of sin is the grace of God. Being aware of sin is the grace of God because sin is harmful to us. So whenever we see sin, we ought to say, thank you, Lord, that I see it. Not, oh, God, i got to hide it because that's what Adam and Eve did. They sinned and they got fig leaves and they began to cover up themselves, to cover their sin, if you will. God knew. He did not come into the garden. I won't come to the garden again. No, God saw and walked right into the garden. And it was Adam and Eve's response to God's presence. Why are you hiding? God said, well, what, what, where are you? God's like, well, what? We'll get to that in just a minute. Sin changes our attitudes toward God. It doesn't change God's attitude toward us. 
God's attitude toward you and me never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what sin you've committed, I've committed, or sins that we've committed, it doesn't change God's attitude toward you. So don't give me the excuse, I just can't come to church anymore. I can't just do this anymore because, because of God. No, this is not God here. God loves you. God loves me. And, and so it changes our attitude. And so today, the reason I wanted to start with this, as uninspiring as a topic of sin is, it can be very inspiring if we understand it is the grace of God that allows us to see it. Now, other people get mad and they'll judge you because that's just what people do. They're mean. First thing somebody, I mean, how many of you know people can point out sin? Now, it's only usually categorical because there are only about three or four big sins. That's all there are. And you know, it's funny to me that the church never, I never hear anybody talk about gossip that much. They refer to it, but I'm going to preach a whole series on gossip, I think. Because, you know, what we do in the church, we figured this out in church. We know how to gossip in a religious way. (laughs) We religiousized gossip. It's like, oh, you have a prayer request? Tell me all about it. (laughs) They did what? Well, let's pray for them. What more did they do? Let's pray for them. I need more dirt so I can pray specifically. What time did they do it and who did they do it with? Give me specifics. The prayer chain gang at work. You know, you don't need to know a lot about anything to pray for somebody. All you got to do is say, Lord, I'm praying for the stupid that's all over them. That covers pretty much everything right there. You don't even have to get specific. God, I just know that they being stupid. So God, deliver them from stupid. But people who love to gossip want you to know the specifics of stupid. They're called stupid to specifics. So what happens is when, when Jesus died for sin, the original sin of man, because we would never be connected to God in that moment. Original sin separated us from God. The sins that we commit cannot separate us from the love of God. So you all and I will continue to sin the rest of our lives. It's when we surrender our original sin that we were born with to God and say, I realize that in my genetic code is a sin gene that came from my great grandmother and grandfather Adam and Eve. A lot more greats in there than that. And that that's in me. That's how come if you're a child and your, your father walked like a duck, there's a really good chance you'll walk like a duck. If you ever notice that, like, it, it just line them up. If, if they walk toes out, good chance you're going to. You don't stand a chance of being pigeon-toed if you're married into the duck family. 
I'm just trying to simplify the whole process right now. It's just something about it. You, you know, you, you, you got your dad's ears and your mom's nose. I, that can't be good. Genetic code. That somewhere in our genetic code, we, we come the way we are. This is who we are. But then we begin to take on behavioral patterns as a result of the things that we're vulnerable to. It's called a stronghold. Everybody in here has a stronghold, or I'll call it a sin hold. There are things in your life that you are more vulnerable to than maybe somebody else. For, for my family, it was anger. It was just anger. I mean, and anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. So underneath anger is hurt, fear, something that produces this response and, and that, that gives, uh, gives fruit to a sin or sins. And so we have to know or be aware of those things in our lives in order to, to change those things. Now, and it all begins with prayer. It all begins with prayer, our approach to God. Your whole life or abundant living will begin with a prayer. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, you may, your neighbor may live like the devil, but you can go ask him, say, hey, you know, because when, when somebody lives like the devil, you, you think they are the devil. You don't even think they know Jesus. I've, I've ministered to people before. I say, hey, you know, I want to share Jesus, or, you know, tell them a story about Jesus or something. They say, well, I'm a Christian. My first response is, no, you're not. You're an idiot. I can tell by the way you're acting. You're just a plum idiot. There ain't no way you're going to heaven with me. What am I doing? I'm measuring them by their sins, not their response to Christ dying for their sin. There are people that Jesus paid for. They called upon the name of the Lord, but they will never experience a blessed super life on this side of heaven because of the sins that have consumed their life. You see, there's a difference. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. So if I measure a lot of our lives by our works, hell just got more populated because we can't be good enough. And so we live this oppressed life because we, we don't think we're worthy of going to the throne. We don't think we can pray. I've heard people say, I just can't pray. I'm so messed up, I can't pray. That's when you pray your best prayers. Bible says not because you're good, you've behaved well, you perform well, that you approach the throne of grace boldly with confidence. It just says do it. Because the Father is looking at you through the blood of his Son. And if, if, when you've accepted him, he understands the temporal consequences. You jump off a two-story building, you're going to break something. So don't like say, I'm going to pray God catch me. That's just stupid. <laughs> You've heard the story. It was flooding. A guy's in a three-story building. Car pulls up, said floods are going to get worse. Come and get in the car and go with us. He says, no, I'm going to trust God. Goes up the second floor as the water rises. A boat comes by. Get in. It's flooding. It's going to continue to rise. He says, no, I'm trusting God. Goes up the third floor. Helicopter comes, says, we can take you out of here right now. It's going to continue to flood. No, I'm okay. Then he dies and goes to heaven. God, where were you? I was in the car, I was in the boat, and in the helicopter. <laughs> See, that's just stupid. Yeah. 
and now you're, you're praying. How do you pray? Say, God, I want to come to you. I want to know your will. I want to know your purpose. I want to know your way. I want to trust you. When we pray, that's really what we're saying is, God, I trust you. Give me some wisdom. It's what Eve wanted. She wanted wisdom. And, and the thought was, you know, your eyes will be open. You'll become like God. But the reality is, a part of me says Eve really wanted to become like God. Don't we all? I mean, that's, that's, that's a worthwhile goal. I want to be, you'll become like God. I want to become like him. Don't want to be him, but I want to become like him. So could it be that Adam and Eve ate innocently? I don't know. I, I think they're going to be in heaven. Just saying. Maybe we'll have that conversation like, Eve, what were you thinking? Designer prayer seeks to find God's best for our lives. It doesn't present our best to him. It asks for his best to be presented to us. God, I can't come to you with my best because my best is not good enough. But you know what? I come seeking your best for my life. Because Christ said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Default prayers are simply get-by prayers. They're what I call rescue-me prayers. And a lot of people only play rescue-me prayers. God, rescue me from this ticket, rescue me from this foreclosure, rescue me, rescue me, rescue me from my husband. Rescue me from my wife. Oh, God, rescue me from my children. I thought they would grow up. They're 30 and they're still asking for money. Um, Rescue me. Rescue me. You know, we work awfully hard at, at trying to live and not die. There are only two people in history that haven't died. I'm not going to preach that right now. Go read your Bible. Yeah, I am. Designer praying does three things. When you pray, be sincere, number one. Don't be perfect. Be sincere. If the only time you pray is when you're doing really good, I hope that's been a good week for you all your life. Because that's about it. it. We don't approach God with our perfection. We approach him with our authenticity. And be real. You don't need King James. Most people don't pray because none of us can speak King James. Go get a King James Bible, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I can't even pray it, and I got two degrees. Oh, thou thine, thus a... So people don't pray because they've heard, like, people who were, like, really eloquent in King James language, and we just, none of us go pray. I didn't know when I got born again that I could say, Yo, God! That's what I call the Rocky Prayer. Yo, God! Help me. What up, God? Help me. I mean, God will take it in rap, jazz, however you want to wrap it up. He'll take it. It's all about authenticity. It's all about sincerity. It's all about that. God, I just, here I, here I am. I'm a mess. I am a, God, I'm a mess. You know, some of the cutest times when I, I saw my kids, they came in, they were muddy, they'd had mud pies, they were a mess. It was the cutest thing. I think when we go before the throne, God just loves your little filthiness. <laughs> so cute, trying to make it. God looks and goes, they're just jacked up. Jesus looks and goes, well, I'm sure glad because I didn't want to die for a bunch of good people. 
that could have made it without me. How, I mean, how irritating if God looked and said, well, you really didn't have to die because about half a million people are really fine. If I was Jesus, I'd be looking and going with them. Why didn't we just let those half a million come and everybody else? Anyway. <laughs> Selfless praying. It's like, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. When you pray, say, God, look, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know what to pray, but God, I want your will, so you know your will, and I release you to do your will in my life. One of my S's this, in this super people series is going to be sovereignty. The sovereignty of God doesn't mean God is mean. It means God is wise. When I used to hear the word sovereignty, which in, in this day and age is not heard too much, but in the old days, I heard sovereignty. Well, I hated sovereignty because I thought it meant God's just going to smack me. That's what it meant to me. I'll do what I want when I want, <laughs> you know, like, like your earthly father. I'll, I'll do whatever I want to because I'm daddy. Like, okay. But what it really means is that God knows best. He sees the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He sees them, and he knows what's best. You know, there are some things you've been asking God for that if he gave them to you, you'd be sorry that he did. Like the car that you prayed for that ended up being a lemon, you begged and pled and prayed and, and, and you got it and all you've done is work on it. And God said, I tried to tell you I wasn't going to give it to you, but I'm having fun watching. Are you happy now? Next time you pray, ask me what I want you to have, okay? And sin prevents us from stating to God the real issues of our lives. It's like, I don't want to tell God what I really did or what I'm really doing. I don't want to tell God, like, he doesn't know. Seriously? You could be sitting there going, God, I have a smoking problem. Um, and I live in Oklahoma. No, you have a weed problem, and it's illegal here, all right? I'm just talking about being real serious with God. It's not like God doesn't know what you're up to, okay? It really isn't. It's, it's not. I mean, I don't know how the whole thing works in heaven, what kind of views are up there, but I just know that God knows. And so it, 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 what I'm saying is, you know, children are so honest. I mean, children just say what comes to their mind. Have you ever noticed that? No, and you parents have been humiliated more than once by your child hearing something you said about someone else. A friend of mine had two little daughters, and they had talked about this one lady being, they used the F word, fat, and um, her daughters had heard her say, well, that person's kind of fat. Well, when they ran into, this is a true story, ran into her at Target, and this little girl looked up and said, my mama said you're fat. Guess who that, that mama's, guess who that lady's going to believe? She's going to believe the kid. Not the, I didn't say that. And my mama going, yeah, I know you did. They didn't even know what the F thing was. <laughs> Salcom, it says, unless you become like a child, which means authentic, sincere, and serious when you go to God. Secondly, is not just designing your prayers, but designing your thinking. A, a sinful mindset, overcoming a sinful mindset means you have to adjust the way you think. What do you want out of life? 
Because you're going to get out of life what you put into life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How do you think about yourself? How do you think about God? Is God mean to you? Is God judgmental to you? Is God ashamed of you? What does God appear like to you? Because a lot of people don't even, they think God just mad at them all the time. And there's no way God could love someone like them. There's no certainly no way God could like somebody like them. So if that's your perception of God, you probably are not going to be approaching God because your thinking is wrong. So unless your thinking gets right, your prayers won't be right. So you have to change the way you think about God. You know, I think God's absolutely crazy about me. And see, a religious person would say, well, that's just an egotistical comment. No, that's a biblical comment. God so loved me that he gave his only son for me. See, and some of y'all go, no, he doesn't say that. God so loved the world. I'm in the world. It means God loves me. And love the old saying, if I was the only one here, Jesus would have died for me. See, this is really irritates religion. Well, that's just all the go. All of a sudden, everybody becomes a theologian when you start talking about the love and grace of God. And they want God to be this far-removed creator who's tolerating our earthly presence, and that's just not true. I used to think that. John 5.22 says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God, this is New Living Translation, who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned, listen to this, for their sins, but they have already passed from death, because we're dead in our sins, into life until we confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Now, once you confess Christ, guess what happens? Your want to changes. I used to want to sin, but when I got born again and I died to sin, I no longer want to do sins because of Christ and my love for him. Doesn't mean I'm going to have 100% success, but my want to changes. Your want to. All of a sudden, you care about things you didn't care about. You start thinking about them differently. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to do that. I want to be aware. I want to be sensitive. I want to be loving. I want to be kind. I want to be those things. I don't always succeed, but I want to. I really do. I don't want to be frustrated and insensitive and unkind. And so those are just days you just stay home. Because you will be provoked that people help make us wonderful. That neighbor that you're praying them to leave the neighborhood, stop. They're not going to leave until you change. God put them there. Yes, they don't mow their lawn. They stay up late and their music is on high. And you're like, in the name of Jesus, I declare they're moved. I can speak to that mountain, and they are my mountain. Be thou removed and be cast into the sea. They're staying, and the ones you like on the west side, they're leaving. And there's going to be another neighbor coming in just like them until you go, I'm okay. I'm fine. Because Jesus is working in us. He's working in us.
Sin will cause us to accept a lesser place in God. Sins that we commit will cause us to accept a lesser relationship. We default to a fallen mindset, a sinful mindset. We begin thinking the way that we think people want us to think. We do. If I were to ask some of you why you do the things you do, it's because your mom and dad would think poorly of you if they knew you were doing what you were doing. So you're miserable because you're living life according to their desires instead of God's desires. Yeah, you are. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You don't buy a certain car, a certain house, a certain place, live a certain way, go a certain place because of what somebody else will think. And you are bound by the opinions of man instead of released by the power of God. Now, you say, well, but what they don't want me to do, I mean... I'm going back here, okay, because I get in trouble on this one. So, we, what we experience is a, a, an identity crisis in our lives because we don't know who we are. We don't know who we are. We, we, okay, I'm who my mom wants me to be. I'm doing what my dad wants me to do. My brother's this way. My, I grew up, and all of a sudden, you're doing everything everybody else wants you to do. And it's an identity crisis, and you think that their opinion is more important than yours or God's. When we told my parents Jennifer was pregnant with our fifth child, it wasn't, oh boy, we're going to be grandparents. Like, oh God, what are you thinking? How are you going to pay for everything? You know, they were all excited about the first one. But the last one, I mean, you would have thought we did something crazy. And maybe we did. Uh, looking back on it. <laughs> Not really. I love all of them. I, they are expensive and would encourage prayer. Uh, but that was their opinion. And, you know, it, we just decided we were going to do what we felt we wanted to do, and we did. You say, that's defiance. That depends on how you look at it. If you know the will of God, it's obedience. But see, again, the battle that goes on and rages with sins in our lives and in our world, sin causes our thoughts to shift from we are fearfully and wonderfully made in Psalms to being fearful about being made and the messes that we've made. Whatever direction you're looking in will be the direction that you go. If you're looking behind you, facing all that you've done in the past, you'll live in your past the rest of your life. And most people spend their entire life trying to create a better past. And you cannot create a better past. It is the past. But you can create a better future. Then the last thing is, if you pray right, think right, you'll live right. When I say live right, I didn't say live perfect. You will live a life that's full of joy. Me coming back to Oklahoma City was not, not something I thought would ever happen, and it would have been easy not to, a lot easier not to. But when I began to pray, and I got the mind of Christ, this is the only place for me to be. The only place for me to be. Now, there are a lot of people who don't think I should be here, but I'm here. I'm here, and I'm only here because God said be here. 
in the opinions of many, I shouldn't even be preaching today. But guess what? I'm going to follow the opinion of God. And the Bible says the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. I can't take this back because I didn't call myself. feels good to me. I like it. I like being where God wants me, not where people think I ought to be or not ought to be. Because I'm not going to answer to anybody but Jesus. I ain't standing before Bob, Larry, Mary, Harry. I ain't standing before none of them. I'm going to stand before Jesus. And he's going to say, what did you do with what I said? I said, I did what you said. And he's going to say, get on in. At least if you came from Berry Hill, <laughs> you might think, enter in, my child. No, get on in here. You see, God didn't want, I, I, I'm, this is just, I'm playing this out and I'm almost done. What would have happened, let's just, just for a minute, entertain, go with me. If, if Adam and Eve wouldn't have made fig leaves. I, it's, I mean, no, no, come on. <laughs> Some of y'all got to get it. Listen to me. I'm talking about <laughs> because they had never been dressed. And, and they make fig leaves. And so... You know, God is God, and I'm sure he knew without the fig leaves what they had done, but what if they hadn't tried to cover it up? I'm talking about sin. (sighs) What if they tried to cover their sin using natural God created leaves. They try to cover themselves. And God said, you can never cover yourself. You can't clothe yourself with righteousness. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. We are clothed because of Christ. Our sin is covered and washed because of Christ. Not because we do good, but because we accept God. Look at Galatians 3.26, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, not through works, but through faith. Verse 27, for all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So we see a response in Galatians to book of Genesis where now we can no longer clothe ourselves in good works and good deeds, but we are clothed in Christ. He is the covering. He is the one. In Colossians 3, 3, it says we are hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? That means that our sin, when Satan comes to accuse, he can't find it because you're inside of Christ. The only way it's revealed is the way you think, the way you pray, and the way you respond. That's the only way he knows is when we come outside of Christ and try to cover things ourselves and perform well and behave right so that we'll get God's attention. Satan watches us. But if I stay in Christ, 
Luke 24, 49 says, I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So again, we see clothing. God take, takes this back all the way in the New Testament, takes it back to Genesis and says, you know what, mankind has been trying to clothe themselves with good works and, and good deeds, and when in reality all you and I have to do is go boldly before the throne and hide ourselves in Christ through God and clothe ourselves with his righteousness, and Satan, the accuser, has no power in your life because you are now clothed with the power of God because you waited on him and trusted in him. I like the Gospels because Jesus often answered questions with questions. Have you ever noticed that? Jesus is like, well, let me ask you a question. And if you answer my question, I'll answer your question. Remember the whole story about John the Baptist? He said, I'm going to ask you a question. So one time I was, I was finishing my first degree in theology in undergrad. And because I was getting a theology degree, all the people that knew me wanted to test me. It's the most like Jesus I've ever been. Because I'm telling you, religious people, they still have cousins and aunts and uncles and relatives and nephews and nieces today. And so they, they came to me and said, I need to ask you a question, Rabbi. <laughs> and this is a true story. And they said, if a man is driving a car and someone cuts that man off in traffic and that man pulls up beside them and honks and flips them off, If in that moment he does that and then runs into a pole and dies, where will he spend eternity? That was the question. And in that moment, I just, I felt Jesus. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, did that man ever put faith in Jesus Christ and ask Jesus to be the Lord of his life? They said, yes. I said, then he goes to heaven. I thought they were going to build another cross. Why? They were addressing sins. Christ addressed sin. When you call on the name of the Lord, you're saved. I thought I was done. Hold on. Just hold on. I got, I got, to, I got to find this. Oh, Scripture, where art thou? Hold your horses. Mm-mm, okay. I, I think I read it already, but I want to go back and read it again because some of you didn't hear it. Matter of fact, I could preach this sermon next week and some of you would go, that was really fresh. Um, I've thought about doing that just to see if you notice. Pastor really killer sermon this week. Yeah, it took twice, uh-huh. Remember, in John 5, it says, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death to life. You know, guys, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to say go out of here and be a fool. I don't have to. Our genetic codes are already predetermined that that's probably going to happen at some point today. What I am saying is this, is don't quit on God because of your sins. And because of your lack of performance and your lack of ability, that's why we have Jesus. We look to his strength, his ability, his capacity, his love, his mercy. 
Don't quit on God. Too many people telling everybody they're going to hell. I got to tell you something. Put your faith in Christ. Put your faith in Christ. Don't quit when you mess up. Don't stop. Don't step down. Don't live your life in obscurity when Jesus has paid for you to live in the light. Don't ever quit because he'll never quit on you. He'll never quit on you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy, for never quitting on us, never stopping uh, and, and believing in us. But, uh, Lord, we, we need to be aware that this, this S, this sins thing, is a mindset if we let it become one, and it overwhelms us and restricts us and holds us back. Jesus, I thank you that you paid for my sin, our sin, the sin of the world. You so loved the world you gave your life. Lord, our want to shifts when we find you. But our behavior continues to be a problem and a challenge in our lives and forever will be. But Lord, our focus is not on our problems. It's on you, our Messiah, our Savior, our Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you've never accepted Christ. And today, you just need to say yes to him. You've been fighting sins and you will lose that battle. We all do. But, but when we surrender our sin to him. He is faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you today, say, please pray for me. I want, I want to ask you to slip your hand up and put it right back down. Just please pray for me. This is your day to set things right. Nobody's looking. This is your time. Don't be ashamed. Don't hide. Get out from behind your fig leaf and say, this is my day, God. I stand before you exposed with my sin. And today I give my life to you. Okay. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, Father God, I call on your name today. I give you my life. I surrender to you. Amen.